0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. So let's get set up here. And welcome. Uh, glad to see you. And I'm happy to be here. Great. So, how do I do this? I can just press the arrows? OK, cool. Awesome. And my notes are on the screen. Wow, this is a cool setup. All right, so um, I'd like to open with uh, prayer, and I hope I'm not coming out through this monitor, but that's fine. Um, So let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this morning. Thank you for um, the fact that we can worship you, Lord, and uh, I pray that you would bless us this morning from your word. I pray your Holy Spirit would be here to illuminate us in our minds and to teach us, Lord, and I pray that you would um, be central this morning, and that your word would be central, and I uh, pray that you would guide my words and um, guard my mouth, Lord, and I pray that you would be glorified in all that's said and thought this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm just going to unplug this <coughs> just because it was feeding back to me. All right, so... Um, If you were here in the new year when um, Stephen Michaels was preaching, the uh, framing thing is going to seem really similar. So before I start, um, we're going to play a little game. I'll show you a picture and you just tell me what city it's in, okay? Just yell it out if you know. New York. York. London. London. Right. Sydney. Sydney. Rome. Rome. And this one might be a little harder. Rio de Janeiro. I was counting on my dad to know every single one. And also my father in law, but he's not here. Uh, And this one? Halifax, of course. So the idea is landmarks. Um, I wanted to look at some Christian landmarks and just take a kind of broad overview of some distinctives of the faith. And if you're a Christian, if, if you know these things, if you can recognize them in your life, um, they help to give us directions. So back before we all carried like smart GPSs in our pockets, uh, we actually had to give each other directions, right? And some people would give directions purely by landmark. And this is not a good way to give directions. But it's still helpful. And landmarks are really helpful. The most famous cities have landmarks. Um, And so they help us to know where we are, where we need to go, and we all need direction in life. So I want to talk about some landmarks through Colossians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, it would be great if you could open to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to find some recognizable features. This is a good time to do some underlining and marking in your Bible, so it's great to have a Bible and to have it open. I have a pen. All right, so here is the scriptures. I'm, I've got my paper notes, and I've got um, two different screens showing me notes. I'm a little confused here. Um, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So I was reading these four verses and studying them, uh, kind of uh, meditating on them, you might say, night after night. And after a while, the, the tenses of the word started to pop out at me. You know, past, present, and future. We call these verb tenses. And so we're gonna break this down because it's such a rich s- four verses, such a rich passage of scripture. Um, it would be like trying to drink from a fire hose. It's just too much all at once and if you read it too quickly you miss it. So um, this is where I got my outline from the scripture itself. So here's highlighted, the color kind of shows up on the projector, um, the tenses. So. What are these tenses? Uh, we have blue, okay? That's um, in the past tense, have been raised, died to this life. It's talking about something that happened, hopefully in the past, potentially in the past. Um, but it's it's kind of implying that we were dead because only a dead person can be raised. And um, dying to this life, what, is, what does that mean? We're gonna talk about that. Wh- what is this deal like? I have a heartbeat. I'm not dead, right? But we're going to talk about what that means. Um, The green parts. These are set your sights, or Christ sits in the place of honor. Think about. it's talking about daily activities, your mind. What do you do with your mind in your daily life? Is it important? Does does God care? Does God care what you look at, what you set your sights on? You bet he does. (laughs) You bet it matters. So we're going to look at that, too. The red. That's... um, will share in all his glory. Future tense. um, Will share. Um, What does your future hold as a Christian? So we're gonna kind of take a high level view of these things, past, present, future, and we're gonna look at these kind of landmarks in time. So the blue parts, these we're talking really about salvation or justification. And this is where you want salvation to be in your life. You want it to be in the past. Um, if it isn't in your past, if you're not sure, listen, now is a good time. Today is the day of salvation for you. Um, it's offered to you today by Christ and there's available peace and rest for your soul. You could be listening online. I don't know. It could be in this room. We don't know. So don't put it off. Um, no one knows when we face God, when each person is going to f- come face to face with God. So I just want to urge you, when we read about salvation in a minute, um, today it's offered to you personally. And the green parts, these are sanctification. is what we call sanctification. It's freedom from sin. And that's going to be the bulk of where we spend time because I personally um, thought a lot. I was. I think I was confused a little bit about what sanctification is biblically, and I, because I didn't understand that, I was kind of confused as to what is different from salvation and sanctification. Are they different things? Are they the same thing? Um, so I kind of. I think I have a burden to talk about sanctification and what it is biblically. We do need to live like we're saved. You know, it should be visible in our daily life, um, and there's more to come on that. And then glorification in the future um, when Jesus Christ returns. And what a day that will be. Mm-hmm. Okay. So sa- salvation. Or justification being made right with God. So let's let's turn well it's on probably the same page of your Bible and just look at Colossians two. And we're gonna read this scripture. I hope that. You know the framing parts are a side issue what's central is just looking at scriptures have a lot of scriptures for all these different things Um, it says starting in Colossians 2 verse 11 when you came to Christ you were quote circumcised but not by a physical procedure Christ performed a spiritual circumcision the cutting away of your sinful nature for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross, and we think about salvation all, all the time, and we praise God for it's the presence of salvation, the knowledge of salvation in our lives, and and this passage is just amazing to read. The fact of it um, in the Christian's life, and you might notice in a verse in the bolded parts, you know, it it is going to make a bit more sense if you read. Verse 12 and 13, uh, in reverse order. So that's something that you can try sometime because uh, just how the order of it is, you know, you were dead and then you were raised instead of, um, I think, Paul, sometimes he's leaping ahead of how normal people think because he was just a brilliant person (laughs) and uh, it's kind of out of order out of how we normally talk, think. And in this, there's some metaphors, and I want this to be a memorable passage for you. You know, in, in a few months, you're not going to remember the specif- specifics of the message, but if I make it memorable, I'm hoping that, um, that it can stick in your mind, and we can think about these landmarks. You know, you see the Golden Gate Bridge, and it's kind of burned into your memory, or you see the Statue of Liberty, you know where this is. And so, based on this passage, what is the basis of salvation? It's the mighty power of God and the cross of Jesus Christ. So, to make it memorable, we have two metaphors. They're actually not really metaphors, because they're pretty literal. But I didn't know what else to call them, so I'm calling them uh, metaphors. Literal metaphors um, from the scriptures. So, um, being unsaved, you know, means being actually spiritually dead. Um, You still have a soul, you still have a heartbeat, but it means being numb to God and numb to Christ and alive to sin. That's what the Bible says. And in order to die to sin and become alive to Christ and alive to God, it takes a multiple transplant. It's like the most... Imagine the most, con- like, you know, we know, we see people do having um, bypass surgeries and very complicated surgeries. It's like that. It's a life-saving surgery, and it's a multiple transplant. So in, I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but in Ezekiel 36:26 it says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. That's a verse that's often used when talking about salvation. And if you've seen um, The Case for Christ about Lee Strobel, um, not the documentary, but like the just the movie, um, this, I mean, maybe it's in the documentary too, but this verse plays a big role in his salvation. And um, not him reading it, but his wife praying for him over this verse. And um, it says, A new heart and a new spirit. It's a multiple transplant. Sometimes salvation, you know, it it can be made to just be kind of an emotional thing. That's really unfortunate. Sometimes there's um, emotional music involved, and sometimes there's uh, crowd psychology going on. Um, Many of us have seen this, and that's really unfortunate because it's not just an emotional thing. A new heart and a new spirit a new attitude, a new a new mind. The Bible is clear about how your mind is an important um, ar- arena of, of spirituality. And so Lee Strobel, you know, he's like the least emotional guy ever. He's total rational, total just uh, like non-emotional. And when he gets saved in the movie, it's depicted as like the least emotional thing ever. He's like, well, whatever's next let's just do that and that's him praying and that's his that's him receiving salvation and his mind was changed his attitude was changed and so both of these things all of these things are important when it comes to salvation Um, and then the second metaphor in Colossians 2 that you can see is not a metaphor (laughs) it's a legal case it is literally a legal case we actually have sin guilt and each of us has this. And the difference is where these records are, depending on if, they're, if you have faith in Christ and you place your faith in him, or if you're just on your own. And so the records, you know, it talks about these records, and they're nailed to the cross in Colossians 2. And so, you know, are your records, are they covered by the blood, or not? Are they nailed to the cross or not? You might even say, mixing these two a bit, our sin nature is nailed to the cross. And you might read Galatians chapter 2. Here think more about that. You could even sing, uh, my sin is nailed to the cross. Uh, maybe we'll sing that later if we have time. <laughs> All right, so that's salvation. Two metaphors in Colossians 2. You can go back and look at it again. A deep surgery, a replacement of a stony heart and a heart of flesh. And if you're saved, you know that. You remember what it was like to have a, a numb heart, a stony heart, and to have that flesh heart, you know, that new life, abundant life coming. You know, what a joyful thing it is to know of your salvation. And if you haven't received it, you can receive it today. And then secondly, the judge. You know, God will judge all of us but the difference with Christians is it's already been finished, and it's settled, nailed to the cross, the records. Okay, so let's keep going. I'm a pretty good time here, actually. Um, sanctification. So this is where the bulk of, um, I think, my, in my Christian life and in my devotional life, sanctification is where it's at for me. This is something I care about a lot. And in Colossians 3, right after the outline verses, verses 1 to 4, and verses 5 to 16, there is an exhortation to living a holy life from the, r- the writer, from Paul. And what is an exhortation? That's a weird word. We don't use that ever. Um, it's, uh, you could say it's an enthusiastic encouragement. And it really is. It, that just pumps my tires when I read Colossians 3, 5 to 16. Um, so... What is sanctification? Why do we care about it? Is it a big deal? All right, let's break it down. So, I think in our hearts, each of us knows that this is truly an important thing. And in our hearts, we want to be close to God. And of course, with sin, you know, we can't get close to God. Um, And so this is um, an issue in in everyone's life, including Christians. And when I was young, I found this to be... um, I, I think I had some difficulty. So... In 1 Peter 15 to 16, it says, But he which hath called you is holy. God is holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation, in all ways of your life, be holy. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So, what does holy mean? Um, so, to make it really simple, think about your toothbrush. All right? Your toothbrush is something you keep holy. You reserve that for one purpose, and one purpose alone, and that is to clean your teeth. You don't take that, you're not like doing dishes like, oh, yeah, I grab my toothbrush. Uh, you know, the toilet's kind of dirty. Let's just uh, clean that up. Ah, oh, my car, you know, my car, you know, it just needs a touch-up. No, your toothbrush is holy for one purpose, and that's what we want to be. We want to be holy, reserved for one purpose, reserved for the Lord, reserved for God, you know, king of my heart. Uh, I crown thee now. And we just got these stereopods and they like clip around your toothbrush and keep it like covered so you know that nothing's getting on those. So that's great. Um, Throw on Amazon. Just plug that. Um, So yeah, we're called to be holy like Christ. And we heard about his sinless perfection a few weeks ago uh, in, in the temptation in the desert. And that's what we need to set our eyes on. Christ's sinless perfection. And that's kind of our goal. Our goal is to have as much room in our hearts as possible for Christ's righteousness to occupy. And that means not having your heart full of a whole bunch of other junk. And so that's that's the goal in my life. And I hope that's the goal in your life. And you know in a teaching setting like kind of like this um, justification and sanctification. I think they should be they should be presented or considered together. Because you don't get one without the other, you can't just be saved and not pursue sanctification, it doesn't work like that. If I give you a coin and I ask you how many sides I gave you of the coin, there are two, I can't separate them. And I believe that these two issues, justification and sanctification, are inseparable, just like that. Um, The difference is that salvation occurs once, it can't occur twice, you can only get saved once. Be justified once with God. But sanctification is a lifelong process. But here's what they have in common that I didn't know. And they are both ultimately God's work. And it is ultimately God's power and God's grace that we rely on for both. Um, It's not possible just to save someone without, obviously we can't, it's a miracle every time. Um, and sanctification, it's the same way. No one can be, n- nothing that's crooked can be made straight in in the soul without God's power, God's influence. So in Philippians 2.13 it says this, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So maybe you're hearing this today and you're trying to beat some sin. could be online five years from now. I don't know. The Lord has ways of using his word and so i just think it's important to th- to think you know i'm going to read philippians two thirteen again because it's such an important concept for it is god who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure we are not on our own in sanctification we are not on our own in our struggles against sin god is with us and i think that's important to hear Um, So maybe you're trying to beat some sin. We don't I don't know most of you that well um, And you don't know me that well, but we all have struggles We all have this in common. We all have struggles and as Christians We all still have to battle against sin and give God first place in our heart and It is definitely something that we all need to do every day. Maybe you're trying to quit smoking maybe you're trying to quit pornography maybe you you j- need to reduce your alcohol clon- consumption could be anything but in the church i think it's important that we address these things and we need god's power we can't overcome these things ourselves <coughs> it's like trying to lift yourself up by your own bootstraps you know you're just like come on let's let's get up let's get out of this but you're just tugging on your own bootstraps. And we need outside help. We need the Lord. And um, we need faith. So let's go back to our outline. Um, what does it say? Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Uh, in, so it, it's about your mind. It's about what you think about. Romans 12.2 says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Or in the NIV, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's so important. This and this is a day and age where the battle is in the mind. We have computers, we have the internet, we have movies, we have TV, we have books galore there's never been so many books in print ever in the history of mankind so today of all days it's a battle of setting your sights being careful what you look at and thinking about the things of heaven and this middle part where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand this is incredibly important because, I don't need to advance that. Um, because in Romans, so here's two verses that are about where Christ sits. Romans 8, 34. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. And in Hebrews 7:25 therefore he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf, on our behalf. So that's Christ sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand, and he's pleading with God. He's interceding with God. He's praying for us. (coughs) And so what is he praying for? I don't think he's... uh I don't think he's praying for, like, a shiny new car for you. (laughs) I hate to break it to you, but he's not praying for a promotion for work at work for you. He's not trying to fix up your life and the circumstance. He's praying with issues of the heart for you in mind because that's a work that no one can accomplish but God. And that's my view. That's my belief. He's defending us from attacks from the adversary of our souls. He's defending us from temptations in the world and from our own flesh. And so I, you know, you might not think, uh, I didn't think initially reading that, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. I didn't think that related to sanctification necessarily, but as I looked at it, I just thought, yeah, that's right. God is on my side, the Holy Spirit is in me, and you know, praying with unutterable groans and when I choose sin choose to sin it grieves the Holy Spirit and God is with me and so there's so much that the Bible has to say about sanctification um, perhaps more than in the New Testament than any other topic I don't know it would be hard to get an estimate because it's very related to other things um, but in this following passage looking at the time I don't think I'll read the whole thing but In Colossians chapter two, continuing after these four outline verses, there's this exhortation, this enthusiastic encouragement for us, and this this just this this floats my boat. um, Reading about this uh, godly man's encouragement for me to live a better life, and to make it memorable, since uh, that's the whole point, is to make it memorable as you. You know, go about your life. Um, this is this is the bold part. And in verse nine and ten, it says this: Don't lie to each other. Okay, um, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked wicked deeds. And you can above it. You can read about a whole bunch of wicked things like um, anger, rage, different attitudes, uh, greed, stuff like that. So you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So that's the goal, to know Christ and to become like him. That's what we should set our eyes on, set our sights on, on Christ, the person. Um, and that's how that's how well that sanctification is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the whole summary of the Christian life. Um And so just continuing on, we've got another, you know, it goes on. I'm not going to labor up here. But in verse 12, it says, um, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you you must forgive others. Um, Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from god rule in your hearts and this uh, this relates to the church (coughs) and how we need to behave together and that's also a huge i don't have a lot of points on that but that's a huge 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 part of um, what sanctification is it's a big study um, to actually study how our, s- our lives are formed to be like Christ over our lives as Christians. And it's a, it's a big process. It's a big undertaking. It's more than any human could do. If you could sanctify your kids, you probably would. You'd want them to behave well, right? But we can't. We can't control people like that. We can't control hearts. But God knows hearts, and he can change hearts. Let me tell you, he can change hearts. He changed mine. So what is the metaphor? (coughs) Taking off the old nature. Take it off. Putting on the new nature. It's Christ's righteousness that we wear. It's our garment of salvation. And we need to have faith in God for this. We can't do it by willpower. That was my confusion. I thought it was an issue of willpower. I thought that it was an issue of works that we just had to somehow dig our ankles in and be better people. That's what being a Christian is all about, right? But I didn't know that it was ultimately God's work. And our work, our part, we have a part. Yes, we have a part. But it's God's work. And we need to have faith. The Bible says that our work is to have faith in the Son of God, faith in Christ, and confidence in His righteousness. So I think that point was like the main burden of what i had to say and then so the last thing the last part of the outline was glorification so glorification that's a future thing um and the verse is when christ who is your life now that's great uh is revealed to the whole world you will share in all his glory so he's not revealed to the whole world yet But he will be revealed to the whole world, and you will share in all his glory. So for me, for me, uh, Christ is infinite, holy, and almighty God. And his glory has no limits. It's boundless and infinite. So when the Bible says that you will share in all his glory, that's a lot. I don't know what else to say. That's a lot. It's going to be a lot. Um but he's going to be revealed to all the world. And so I found some cross references for that. And I'll read um I'll read Matthew 24, 27 and 30. It says, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so also, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. No one's going to be confused about what's happening when Christ returns. No one's going to be weirded out or wondering which person this is who's coming. Everyone will know. It's going to be clear. God will make sure that it's known. And so when Christ the person is revealed. That's that's Christ. That's Jesus Christ the person. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It'll be at a point in history where everyone will know about this. And it, you know I think in like the Left Behind series they kind of present it like oh, the rapture happened. Like where would all the Christians go? But no. It's not going to be like that. People are going to be like oh. The Christians are all gone. Christ's returned Um, and when it comes for the millennial reign as well um, it's not going to be confusing in any way and no one's gonna miss out Uh, so it will be really hard to miss and it's gonna be really great for us so that's glorification part of it future glorification so to wrap up remember try and make it memorable remember the metaphors uh, surgery a court case, the law, the hammer thing, dowel, or whatever. Tha- what is that? Gavel. gavel. Thank you. Uh, the gavel, the, uh, the court case, the surgery. Uh, remember the taking off the the old sinful nature, the old clothes, dirty clothes. Putting on the new clothes, Christ's righteousness. So remember, um, remember, you can also remember the timeline. Remember where you came from. I am so thankful from what I was saved from and when I sin I'm reminded of kind of the depravity of mankind when I see depravity outside of myself I'm reminded like I have a part of that humanity and it's the Bible is very clear about what it's like to God and I see it God's way now so I'm so thankful to be saved from the other life that I don't live from that other nature that I don't wear. And remember who you are now, in the present, as you go about your daily life. You know, when you're at work, and someone's, I don't know, cursing and swearing at you because you made a mistake or something. You know, don't be conformed to the world, but just find a way to be a loving Christian in all situations. And to honor Christ in your heart. Remember where you're going. The hope of heaven. So the hope of heaven will sustain you and give you more joy than any other hope. You can hope for a promotion. You can hope for a good job. You can hope for a nice degree. You can hope for, I don't know, win the lottery. (laughs) I don't know what your hopes are, but the greatest hope we have is the hope of heaven. And so to that we say, even so come, Lord Jesus, even so come. And so thank you for your attention. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed hearing as much as i enjoyed preparing and that the lord um, would keep us all so let's uh all pray and w- maybe we can sing it's only five after so we can sing um nailed to the cross Ho- how about that okay heavenly father thank you for your word thank you for your help your love for us and your saving grace lord and i thank you that your grace is present in our lives as we go about um, our days here, Lord, I pray that you would help us to number them and to know that we're here for a limited time and our role here now is to glorify you and while it's day to work and I pray, Lord, that you would help us, God. We need your help and we can't we can't accomplish this in the flesh, we can't accomplish this on our own, so we pray your help, Lord, pray your Holy Spirit on us as a church and um, we just thank you, God thank you for leaving the Holy Spirit for us and we thank you for your son the Lord Jesus and pray these things in his name. Amen.